Welcome to Divine Reclamation, the podcast, a space for all women to remember their magic, align with their inner cosmic warrior, and tap into the divine within. Join me here weekly for inspiring, gritty, and sometimes taboo discussions on all things spirituality, mental health, growth, and creating wealth. I am your host, Caroline the Divine, a women's breakthrough manifestation coach, mental health advocate, and believer in miracles. Welcome to Divine Reclamation, the podcast. What is up, you guys? It's Caroline the Divine. Welcome back to Divine Reclamation, the podcast. I'm so freaking excited for today's episode. Uh, we have Michelle Emerald, who is going to be just telling us everything we need to know about dating and relationships in today's day and age. I mean, you guys, let's face it, the dating world out there right now is a little bit crazy. So I'm sure we could all use some guidance. I'm so excited that she's here today just to speak into us and uh, give us give us some good guidelines to move forward. Uh, so yes, today we have Michelle Emerald. She is a love and relationships expert. Michelle helps people heal their past so they can have full, rewarding, and secure relationships. She draws from her lifelong experience of healing trauma to really bring bring an authentic perspective to her work. And that is like so required, especially working in this field. We need more people who have been through the shit who can help other people get through the shit. Am I right? I'm freaking right about that. So (laughs) Michelle is a certified life strategies coach, human design projector, devotee, of attachment theory, one of my favorites, by the way, just going to add that in there, and NLP or neuro-linguistic programming. She is a mom of four and a handstand enthusiast. I know you're just going to love all of the juicy advice she gives us in this episode. So, you know, whether you're single, searching, linked up with someone, or maybe you're single and not searching, which is fine too. I've been there myself and i Realistically, it was probably the happiest there. Uh, so you're going to get so much out of this. There is no topic left untouched in today's show from Tinder and hookup culture to trauma bonding and dysfunctional relationships. Michelle enlightens us on how to cultivate meaningful relationships with ourselves and others so we can truly be the the happiest version of us. So welcome Michelle Emerald to the show. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. You are such a brilliant spirit and seriously we're just like so freaking thrilled to have you. I cannot wait for this episode. Me too. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me. Yes. So, okay. This might be kind of a broad question and I'm just going to start out strong, right? But what the fuck is going on with relationships and dating right now? It seems like everyone is just having these struggles with really finding the person. So can you shed some light on what in the world is going on right now? Yeah, I mean, if we look at just 
2020 or just the last few months of 2020. I really want to broaden it out. Maybe this will make people feel better. I feel like people in general are not showing up as their highest selves. When when something traumatic happens, you know, we are in a worldwide trauma at the moment, not only with the coronavirus pandemic, but with a new civil rights movement. Oh, people, absolutely. What I see on social media is that just people in general are not well equipped to cope and to handle the stress, the uncertainty, and I really have noticed just the quality of interactions on social media in general absolutely plummet over the past few months. And yeah. you, you see that extended into interactions on dating sites um, as well. So if you are single right now, I think and especially if you're using online dating sites or if you're online, if you're socializing um, through your social networks, I think to just understand that the overall quality of interactions is lower yeah. and that people are really suffering, not knowing how to act. Not everyone is equipped to heal rapidly and to cope with an ever-changing sort of world landscape. And you'll see this um, in my social media feeds. It shows up a lot as a lot of um, conspiracy theories and sure. infighting, you know, people it's posting everywhere. controversial topics and just bickering over right. masks <laughs> and, you know, trivial um, things which I think is really an avoidant tactic to avoid the actual fear of not only potentially losing your life or a loved one, uh, but losing your financial grounding as well. So I think there's just a lot of fear and anxiety circulating in the world in general, and that's absolutely affecting our relationships and potential to start new relationships. Yeah. I, wow. Okay. So we did start out very strong. I love that. <laughs> We're not messing around y'all. We are diving in right in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we are diving right in. Uh, no, but I think that that's amazing. And I, um, I actually, a few weeks ago, we had a seven day no negativity challenge where mm. we completely abstained from anything that was negative. We tuned back into our bodies. We regrounded our energy. And the results from that, there were about 70 women who participated. Mm -hmm. The results from that were incredible. Like all of a sudden people are seeing their creativity come back. They're seeing, mm -hmm. you know, their dreams come back. Like all these things, they're so much more deeply in tune. Um, but I actually, until you said that, didn't really think about how much this is affecting people building relationships or people who are searching for relationships. So one of the things that uh, we talked about in, during this challenge was how fear really has the capability to shut everything down, right? Because mm -hmm. you go into protective mode mm -hmm. and par obviously part of, you know, being in a relationship is being vulnerable and being open and, mm -hmm. and having that foundation of safety and trust. Mm -hmm. So... Tell me, first off, which I, 
again, I'm in a relationship. So now I'm starting, as we're talking, I'm starting to see things from uh, maybe a single person's point of view, but being in quarantine and going through COVID and all of this social distancing, I'm sure is really challenging. So Mm -hmm. can you tell me what are you seeing in your clients right now or in your audience of how people are responding to the world events? Well, I really saw a sharp drop in how many people were willing to even put themselves out there. Some of my clients who were single and actively dating at the time the shutdowns happened, they actually withdrew from the dating scene. They, you know, whether it was that they didn't have the emotional bandwidth to put themselves into a position of potentially being rejected or used for sex, um, which was really, I think, we really saw two things happening. One was that just straight hookup culture. The other thing was in a smaller percentage of people, a desire to connect and form an actual meaningful connection. And that is what I foresaw coming out of this was that um, the uncertainty and the fear would lead a lot of people who maybe previously were only open to hookups or who were um, pushing relationships onto the back burner who might actually have an awakening and realize how much they did value having a relationship and having that connection, especially after having that taken away. Oftentimes once we lose access to something, we realize how much we appreciate it. So I think a couple months of just being home alone and isolated for a lot of people really showed them, you know what, I do want someone special in my life. Those people are definitely the ones you want to magnetize yourself to and to focus on. There has always been on no matter what dating app you use, it doesn't matter which one, there's always going to be a really high percentage of people who are only there for casual encounters. I think we all know that. (laughs) It's not going to change. It's just part of it. And one thing that I see that I think is a big problem for someone who is looking for a serious or committed relationship or really genuine and authentic connection is that they personalize the amount of people that they see only there for hookups. They, mm. they take that as something lacking in themselves um, when actually those people exist for their, you know, they're seeking their own gratification. It really has nothing to do with you. That right. has been there. That's going to be there. Um, so I think even before COVID and before this new civil rights unrest and everything like that, my clients who have success in dating always do the same thing. And it is that they focus only on what it is that they are there to create yes. and they make everything else fully insignificant. They have no emotional response whatsoever to anything they see 
that is not aligned with what we're going for. Right. So, okay. That kind of leads into, so you have a uh, free program right now called uh, Trigger Tamer. Mm -hmm. And um, so I know you really emphasize in a lot of your work to be able to heal your past. So you're not carrying those triggers into a new relationship or into your dating life. Because Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that you said really stuck out to me, you said that uh, when they're on you know, Tinder or other dating apps that, you know, we have a tendency to really personalize those things, which of course Mm -hmm. is an emotional trigger, right? We see something Mm -hmm. being triggered um, inside of us and and we have a tendency to generalize, right? Like the entire dating pool is represented on Tinder. And so then we start spiraling because we're like, it's terrible. There's no one out there, right? Like we Mm -hmm. we generalize. Uh, But let's, let's get into that. So And just so you guys know, I will be linking Trigger Tamer down below in the show notes so you can go check it out for yourself. But um, so I want to know from you, Michelle, what kind of problems do you see when people are not doing the healing before jumping into dating or being in a relationship? So when they're not doing the healing, Mm -hmm. what are we seeing that comes from these Relationships. I think one of the biggest problems would be trauma bonding and getting overly attached to someone as sort of a lifeboat, you know, like rescue me, um, that white knight type of syndrome where you're feeling broken until someone comes along in your life. And when people are dependent on another person or on making that connection to feel whole and valid and complete, right, they will match with almost anyone who will match with them, right? And it's like, They're doing all these mental acrobatics to make this person sound like a good match. They're justifying red flags and bad behaviors that they're seeing early on, giving someone the benefit of the doubt. And I think that gets women especially in trouble. Um, And this is really true in any type of relationship. I might talk about men and women more often because that is the majority of the clients that I work with, but you can certainly apply this to any non-binary or LGBTQ relationship at all. It does, it's not just a a men and women problem or issue. Um, But typically you know, most of my clients are women and most of them are straight women. So a lot of them have a pattern of getting involved with the wrong people. And they tell me once it's over, you know, I don't want to repeat this ever again. And then they'll start dating and they'll slide right back into making these allowances for people that are not a good match. And I think a lot of it comes from just the the overall desperation in the dating scene, this feeling of lack, like going on Tinder and feeling like you have to pick the best one out of the heat today, right? Or this weekend or this week, putting these, you know, arbitrary timelines, feeling like it needs to happen right now, instead of clearly mapping out what it is that your ideal relationship is composed of, not necessarily 
in the sense of this is my type or these are the hobbies that I want to share. Not those superficial things, but I mean more of the experiential nature of what an ideal relationship to you would look like and, and staying focused on that higher vision and being comfortable being alone, not taking it personally when people don't match your ideal vision, but knowing that if you stay in that pipeline long enough, making yourself available to attract someone that eventually that will come along, right? It's a lot of patience and a lot of depersonalizing the experience. And I relate it, if any of your listeners are entrepreneurs also, um, I really relate it to the entrepreneurial journey of finding your tribe and your your soul people and your clients, right? Absolutely. 99.98% of the people on the internet are not for me. Right. Of course, it's a mod podge, right? Right. And if I, you know, questioned myself or my work or my business or my ideas and my philosophies every time that my idea didn't land on someone or I didn't get praise or I didn't get money, I wouldn't be able to continue, right? Right. Or I'd be constantly shifting my message to fit the masses. So. The same thing is really true in dating and calling in a beautiful relationship is that you want to stay true to that experience that it is you are envisioning to create and totally disregard everything else. It makes it so much easier and less emotionally weighted when you approach it that way. And I, wow, I love everything that you just said. So in my own client base, some of the largest issues that I see is that uh, first off, we have like exactly what we're talking about. We have women who are jumping or, you know, women or men who are jumping into these relationships without really knowing themselves first. Mm -hmm. right? Do you know Mm -hmm. you? And so then what ends up happening, because they're not really fully aware of who they are, they end up jumping into a relationship with someone and then they try molding themselves and changing themselves uh, to fit this other person. Um, And then another thing that you said had triggered this thought in me is uh, not only are we finding ourselves in this place where we're trying to adjust ourselves to fit this other person, but we're also justifying their behavior, justifying the the reasons why they do the things that they do. And uh, this is what I tell my clients is that ultimately you end up dating yourself that other person, you aren't actually acknowledging that other person for who they are. You're being both sides of the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So no matter what they Mm -hmm. do, you're going to justify their behavior. So it fits into your box of what you will and will not allow, right? Mm -hmm. So we end up saying, Mm -hmm. he was just angry. He was just had a hard day at work. Um, But another thing that I see is that it's really difficult for these women to pull out of that relationship, even after they've been given all the evidence. You know, I'll mm-hmm. ask sometimes, like, so what good is in the relationship? Like, let's look at the other side, right? We know all the stuff that's going wrong, but what is what is actually really good? 
and I'd say most of the time in these particular kinds of relationships is they can't think of anything. They're like, mm-hmm. really nothing. And so why do you think that people are staying in these relationships, even though at face value, it's like, there's nothing I'm getting out of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, a big concept that I work on with people that I promote is normalizing breakups, allowing things to end without viewing it as a failure. So many people are just holding on to a relationship for so long because we've really been conditioned by society and to some degree, our own biological urge is partnership. Sure. Right. That is how humans are designed to function at our best. So you're fighting society and you're fighting biology here. Mm -hmm. You've got an internal drive to stay partnered that makes you feel safe in the world. Now, more than ever, the world is a terrifying place, right? Um, So mustering the courage to break up with someone or strike out on your own during, you know, economic downturn, uh, rampant disease, that would go against your biological desire for safety and security. So I do think there's a big part there at play. It doesn't mean that your biological urge needs to make all the decisions for you. My body has a biological urge every month to get pregnant. That doesn't mean that I get pregnant every month, right? Um, And I have four kids, so I've I've listened to the biological urge enough times, right, to realize like sometimes you got to just say no. Sure. Um, So I think understanding that element of it, um, certainly, and then seeing the societal pressure that that comes from, you know, we really elevate our status in society when we are coupled. Uh, Who... When you are single and you get into a relationship and you finally hit that milestone where you're calling each other boyfriend and girlfriend, who among us is not absolutely giddy to just be, oh, my boyfriend did this. My girlfriend got me this. Like you're throwing that around because there is elevated social status in partnership. And that even goes a step further when you're married, right? And you're talking about your husband or your wife. So there are really strong forces at play, but that doesn't mean that those forces have to make decisions for you and what's good for you and what's healthy and beneficial for you long-term, right? You can be aware of those forces and then still make a logical decision based on what's ultimately good for you, knowing that a better partnership is inevitable. I have a very strong belief that if I have a great boyfriend uh, right now, just absolute, you know, best boyfriend, he treats me amazing. If that relationship were to end, if he were to break up with me, which is very sad to think about, I know that I would be sad. I know I would have grieving and healing to do. I might be angry, right? I might be confused, all of those types of things. But there would never be a doubt in my mind that my next relationship would be better. 
I deeply believe that every relationship I have will be better than the one before it. So I don't have to fear losing a relationship. I don't have to be in the space of, well, I have to make this relationship work no matter what, because this is all there is for me. That's not my reality. Right. Right. My reality allows me to make a decision about a relationship based on if the relationship is actually good. I love that. And I'm I'm also hearing from you that it's like my relationship is not my identity. Right. I have a life. I have a, a a self that exists outside of this relationship that will persevere no matter what happens. And so I I will tell you, I am currently in a relationship um, and we, we've been together for a long time, but we took a couple years of a break and um, in the middle of our relationship, we kind of hit a rough patch and, and um, at that point, it really was the best decision for both of us mm-hmm. to be like, okay, this is not working. And uh, so we stepped away. We took a break for a couple of years. And you know, during that time, I went out, I dated, I did all this stuff. I had a longish relationship. And uh, eventually, I got to this point, right? That relationship didn't work out. We broke up. Uh, but I got to this point where I think I had watched um, this movie with J-Lo. And I'm forgetting the name of it right now, so I'm sure maybe some of you will know what I'm I'm talking about. But she is like a successful businesswoman, and she ends up wanting to have a child, and so she like goes to this sperm bank, and she's looking at you know um, I, IVF and whatever. So I saw that movie, and I was like, hell yeah! And it just created this shift inside me that I was like, wait a second my worth and my, I don't have to wait for a man is essentially where I kind of found myself Mm -hmm. was like, Mm -hmm. what if I could have a super successful, rewarding, invigorating full life without being in a long-term relationship? And once I started really embodying that idea that I bring so much more value, I can do so much outside of a relationship, because I'll be straight with you, for the most part of my life, finding a relationship, getting into a family, getting married, buying a house, doing that you know, life lifeline, I guess, mm-hmm. that, that uh, narrative that we have. Uh, but once I let go of that and I started seeing my value in myself is then when I we ended up getting back together. <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. a complete, we're in a completely different space now. And so mm-hmm. um, I feel much more sure of myself with boundaries. He's in a different space mentally. And um, it was like I needed to get to that point to realize my value and function in the world is so much more outside of just a relationship. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I love that you mentioned the bit about, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, no, you. That's okay. Um, the boundaries bit is really critical here because I think when you don't see your value outside of the relationship and you're desperate to hold on to the relationship, you can't maintain boundaries right. in that scenario. Your boundaries will be fluid based on the whims of your partner at that time because you would be um, so afraid to lose the relationship. And I think right. that when people first start 
start dating, taking the attitude of my life is already set up this way and I love it. I have a great life. I'm doing all of these things. I'm open to adding someone into it on these terms, right? Mm -hmm. The terms being... Um, being treated respectfully, having your boundaries honored, having open communication, whatever the needs that you have are, maybe they're specific, like you have a child, right? So you need someone to be open to that or willing participant at some point. Um, If you have the attitude that you could take it or leave it, I think it makes you a more powerful dater because, you know, someone will see that you have options, that they're not your only option. And it really will cause them to rise up to meet the occasion to try to secure that relationship with you. I think having high standards and and being forward about that and having boundaries and being willing to enforce them, even if it means that you're sitting at home alone right? And, and turning something down, um, that will create a better outcome for you because it really does show that someone's going to do the work and put in the effort. A lot of people are so, so eager to secure relationship that they really just go with the flow and everything is cool. And I'm like, miss laid back when you're actually not laid back no, at all. Not at all. Right? Your insides are going like, ah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're anxious and you're overanalyzing things. So I definitely think that having, having that security within yourself really helps you create a secure attachment with someone else and to attract people who are also living lives that they enjoy, right? Who are not desperate to just match up for any reason at all. And you'll also notice in situations like that, that things can tend to move a little more slowly, right? People aren't so rushed and anxious to just secure the relationship or saying, I love you too early and things like that. And I think that helps create a more secure partnership also. I love that. You are just so speaking to my soul right now. I'm like, just loving it. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) one of the things that we kind of touched on before we started recording, and I would like to go back to this, and I know we were kind of dancing around this um, the entire time that we've been been talking in this episode. But so one of the things that I see, and tell me if there's any truth in this to you, but in, in, you know, these heteronormative relationships, right? A man and a woman. um, I feel like women are doing so much more of the work. And what I mean by that is the emotional work, the healing, they're, they're balancing and activating their chakras. They're learning about yoni magic. They are like fully diving into uh, really embracing the full power of, of being a woman, their divine feminine energy. And what I'm seeing though, and again, I may be wrong. This may be, I'm, I may have a bias somewhere inside me that is leaning towards this direction. But from what I'm hearing and seeing is that it feels like most of the men are not. 
And yeah. and and maybe there's this issue too, is that maybe there's a part of us that aren't really drawn to more uh, sensitive, in tune, spiritual men who are doing the work. Because think about this, and this is actually something that I've I've read about. But uh, you know, it, it, you'll go to your yoga class and you're enjoying it, and usually there's like one or two men in the class, right? There's always mm-hmm. like one or two men. Um, but I feel like maybe we're just not drawn to that. I don't know if it's like we interpret it as being feminine. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure. But I also feel Mm -hmm. like at the same time, we're not really drawn to these kind of like macho men anymore. Like that's obnoxious. Mm -hmm. I feel like we're moving out of that and we are wanting men who are more uh, in tune with themselves and who are doing the work. So they're not bringing all of that baggage and junk into the relationship. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like there's mm-hmm. a discrepancy between uh, men and women or just being spiritually in tune? What are your thoughts? Yeah, on that? I mean, I think it goes back to what is it that you need out of your partnership? This should be clearly defined for you before you are seeking a partner And for me personally, I don't need a mirror of my own types of spiritual endeavors to be reflected back in a partner. I don't care if my partner is into human design or astrology or NLP or tapping or yoga, you know, it's what I enjoy for myself is for me. Um, What I value in relationships is being treated well, having consistency, being respected. I really um, like to connect with someone over like a shared worldview, right? Like there are places where I draw the line um, in in worldview or political uh, or even spiritual realms. Like for example, I'm an atheist. I just wouldn't match well with someone whose um, religion was a big part of what they needed in the partnership. So, you know, you kind of have to know your non-negotiables. But for me, the things that I do, you know, for myself, I don't really need to see those reflected back in my partner. And I have outlets to have those needs met otherwise. I don't think that it's safe to have a relationship be you know, everything that we need, right? I have friends, I have coaches, I have, you know, spiritual leaders that I follow on social media or, you know, books or podcasts or ways that I connect um, through other avenues so that I'm not putting all that pressure on my partner to be just like me. Right. right. I want my partner to create an expansive experience in my life. I want them to bring something else to the table. Um, so as long as we're aligned on like core values and they have their behavior and the way that they act is consistently something that feels safe to me. I don't really care how they arrived at that. I don't care if you're going to therapy, if you read books, if you're in some men's club, you know, for like spiritual growth. I think those things are great, but I wouldn't require that. I wouldn't make that 
an early topic of conversation. Like, tell me about your meditation practice. Right. right? right. And then someone's <laughs> like, my what? And then I'm like, well, I, I can't match with you. Right. To me, sharing right. those things is not necessary. I do think though that being really secure in who you are and what you do and sharing your life and your experience with someone else oftentimes has the effect of leading them down the same type of path, not by force, but by their own curiosity. When they see that you're happy when other people are depressed, right? Or your skin is glowing when theirs is wrinkly. Um, They will start to ask questions. They may become curious. And I think any type of growth that someone undergoes is always more beneficial when they come to it themselves and they are curious and they want to do it. And I also think there's a really big danger in... And I tell women this all the time in, you know, like dating profiles in particular, or when you first meet someone, I think there's a danger in oversharing too much about what you value (laughs) and letting someone else uh, see that and say, oh, I'm totally into the same things. I love that too. And they trick you and you form this attachment thinking, wow, this is really my soulmate when actually they're just over here Googling who's Gabrielle Bernstein, you know, and they're like totally fabricating this like false connection. Yes. Um, I feel like I've experienced that at least once mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. like you enter the relationship thinking like, Oh my God. And and then it's so funny because like, you know, we have these sensational minds. And so I will jump into that mindset of, Oh, the stars have aligned our whole lives. We have been like moving closer to align in this perfect moment. And, mm-hmm. and you know, uh, you give so much weight to just having, you know, these at, at first glance commonalities with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then we go all in, right? We're just yeah. like, oh, wow. Yes. He understands me. He gets me. We're going to be mm-hmm. this like spiritual power couple. And then you like yeah. throw yourselves into, um, into this relationship. Uh, but I love that. And I love how, you know, everything that we're talking about really leads back to knowing yourself, knowing your expectations. And I, I feel like, you know, I was giving some advice. I have a 13 year old daughter and I was giving her some advice the other night. We were talking about hormones and her cycle and dating and all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, I just told her, which her dad didn't like this at all, but I was like, date as many people as she possibly can. I'm like, do mm-hmm. not like, you know, settle down right away, get out there, see what's out there. Because as you go through these relationships, you'll learn more about what you want, what you expect, what's important to you, what's not important to you. Um, I, I mean, I feel like some of the biggest learning experiences for us are really how we operate in relationships. Mm-hmm. Well, and I have a 13-year-old son uh, myself, and he's had the same girlfriend now for like two years. Oh, and wow. I'm just like, you know, I keep, you know, I interject at the time there, and he'll be like, <laughs> oh, we broke up. And I'm like, yes, right. uh, time for you to date <laughs> someone else. You need more practice, more experience, and then they'll be back together. Um, and, you know, 
I think that it ties back into how people are so desperate to be in a relationship that they just want to be in a relationship without having the comfort in saying no to what you don't want. And I have a story about that that really was like radically life-changing for me. Um, When I was a child, my grandmother was a nanny for a very wealthy family who lived in a certain neighborhood in our town. And I would go with her to their house. They had a beautiful home, beautiful furniture. It was the nicest house, you know, that I really spent time in as a child. And I had a nice middle-class life, but we weren't rich, right? Mm. And so I just was fascinated with their home, with their lifestyle. And I always held this certain neighborhood in my mind as just the pinnacle Right, the vision. Yeah, yeah. Yes. (laughs) And so um, last summer, I, you know, as part of my money mindset and everything and just envisioning what I want in my future, I thought, I'm going to take a drive through this neighborhood. And we go look at some houses and I start getting a vision of like my future abundance. And I hadn't been in this neighborhood in like 20 years, right? And I was absolutely (laughs) flabbergasted um, at the quality of some of the houses. You know, they weren't all these big giant houses. It was a really mixed bag kind of neighborhood. And it really like threw me. Is this it? (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, this is what I'd been imagining. And so there was a house for sale and it had one of those tubes out front, you know, a little plastic tube with the paper in it that you can pull out and see the price and everything of the house. So I stopped to get it and had some pictures of the interior of the house and the price and everything. And I was looking at that and it was hideous. The kitchen (laughs) was just this awful, like, wood paneling and so outdated. And it just occurred to me... I get to say no to what I don't want. Yeah. Right. In my mind, I kept thinking that things were out of reach for me when in reality, I am the one who chooses, right? Granted, I'm not actually on the market for a house in that price range, but even if I was, I would still have choices to make. And that is how it is with finding love, with this ideal love that you want. It's not this thing that's dangling above you that's unattainable for you. It's that you have power to say no to what you don't want. That means being more selective on who you swipe on, on Tinder or on Facebook or Bumble or wherever you're at is being really choosy, being discerning, holding your energy, right, as precious and not wasting it in places where you already see a high likelihood that things are not going to be what you want. Um, Like I literally am always so shocked. I see these kind of posts constantly constantly online where somebody, a girl will post a picture of a man's just upper body, some like ripped guy, a headless photo at that, and then screenshots of their conversation being appalled when he's commenting on her breasts or asking if she likes blowjobs or whatever. And she's like, oh, how could someone treat me this way, right? And it's like, if you back it up to 
why did you even swipe right on this? Why did you say yes to this? Right. You, you can see that when people put a picture focused on their crotch, that you probably don't want the same things out of this experience, <laughs> right. right? And like, so why no. even make yourself available to it in the first place? <sighs> See, you know, I had to have some moments of honesty with myself about that because I was very much guilty of the same thing. And uh, so back when, like I had said, uh, my son's father and I had separated for a couple of years. We both, you know, dated and just kind of did our own thing before getting back together. But during that time, um, you know, like I said, I got very clear about the things that I wanted, uh, what I didn't want. And I remember I went on a date with this guy. So I have to tell you, it's so funny. But it was a proud moment for me, I have to say. It was a proud moment (laughs) uh, because I, I had realized that I was done with the breadcrumbs right? Mm -hmm. I was done with just getting breadcrumbs. I wanted the real deal. So I was really going to act in my power. So I had met this guy at the gym at my university. I was in college at the time. And uh, I met him there and I was like, yeah, I'll go on a date with you. So we go on this date. The first thing that I noticed was he wanted to go to Panera for our date. Okay, I know, I know, I know. But I, I was it like was lunchtime at least. It was. So that was a little <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like nine at night. But still it, it, reasonable. It was like it was underwhelming. Okay. It was underwhelming. Yeah. But I, I kind of like did a little self-talk and I'm like, all right, Caroline, just like, you know, not be maybe he's just trying to be casual. Let's just see what this is about. So I went in with an open mind. Well, the very first thing that I noticed that he said was, uh, he said, do you ever ask for a water cup and then go get soda instead? And I was so like, I'm not fucking 12, dude. Like I just, and it it showed to me first off, like lack of integrity. Mm -hmm. I'm just not interested Mm -hmm. in just like a bunch of stuff like that. Like if I want a soda, I have the money to pay for a soda. I just figured out what you were talking about. I was like a water cup. And so I was like, oh, stealing soda. Yeah, it doesn't even cross my mind. No, (laughs) exactly. Like that is not something that's a part of my existence. Mm -hmm. So that was the very first thing. So then the next thing, uh, we were talking about his life and he's telling me that he graduated from the university of the year before. And so just out of curiosity, I'm thinking, wait a second. So I met him at the university gym, but he graduated last year. So in my mind, I'm thinking, well, maybe they have like a lifetime membership after you graduate. I don't know. Uh (laughs) Yeah. And so, so then I just straight up asked him, so this is again, departure from my old behavior. Old me probably never would have even asked. Knew me mm-hmm. was like, wait a second, I need some clarity on how is he still going to this gym if he already graduated? So I ask, to which he says, well, I don't know if I'm really supposed to, but you oh know, my no one's told me no. And it just gave me such a snapshot of his mentality. Like I can mm-hmm. already hear it. Like you know, I'm imagining like a year into our relationship, he's like, well, you didn't say that I couldn't go to Sarah's house and stay the night. I mean, that wasn't yeah. like, right. I just mm-hmm, saw totally. like sneaky trying to get away with shit. And mm-hmm. I, after that, I never saw or talk to him again. And like a crazy sense of entitlement there oh. too, right? Fully. 
So it's good to notice that early on. And so you cut things off after that. That was enough. Yes. I think I blocked him. I deleted his number. And, Mm -hmm. uh, but old me, old me probably would have been like, oh, whatever. It's, you know, not maybe like, it's not the same thing. This is a gym. It's different. But now I'm just so much more looking at what do they have inside? What is this person Mm -hmm. about? What are their values? Mm -hmm. What do they bring to the table? Right? Mm -hmm. All of those things. And so I, once I decided that I was worthy of having those things and that I Mm -hmm. was bringing something to the table, right? That was a large part of it too, is before I didn't feel like I brought anything to the table. So now I'm like, no, I know my worth. This is what I stand for. This is what I value in my life. And I want someone who is on that level, which luckily I very much have that now. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have got some questions for you from uh, people in my audience. And so we're just going to start at question one. And I think that uh, we already covered a lot of this. So I know that she's going to get a lot out of this entire conversation, but maybe if we could just give some like bullet points or something. Uh, but she says, uh, any advice, her name's Kristen, Kristen, shout out to you. This is your question, love. Uh, she says advice for single spiritual women who are demisexual. And just for those of you who don't know, demisexual is when you really want to know a person and have a connection there before being intimate. Okay. Um, so Advice for single spiritual women who are demisexual in the modern hookup culture. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. I love that. Um, and I have met demisexual men. Sometimes they don't even know that's what they are. They're not familiar with that terminology. They just have that nature where they need that connection. And so I know these men are out there, right? That's the first thing is knowing that someone for you exists and that it's just a matter of you two, like sort of vibrating your way energetically to one another. Um, If you're using apps, right, understanding that the majority of people on the apps are hypersexual, Right. That's all they're there for. So going into it with that knowledge and looking for the signs of that signs of the hookup mentality on a dating app are definitely going to be body pictures, um, shirtless photos that don't make sense. Like, you know, it's one thing if you're, you know, you're like on a boat with your friends and somebody snapped your picture and it's just a really great photo. That's one thing. Like you just living your life without a shirt on, that's normal. But a close up or a mirror selfie where someone's showing off their physique, they are basically just putting themselves out there like, this is what you get. I'm looking to have a physical experience. Right. So, this is what you get. So, if that's all you see, that's going to be a hard left, right? Yeah. That's just to know <laughs> that has nothing to do with you whatsoever. What you would want to be looking for. And obviously, let me backtrack any type of sexual, um, you know, language, explicit language, uh, anything that alludes to hookup culture in the bio, 
I don't think you should even waste your time trying to see if this person comes around to your way, you know, or will be patient for you. I wouldn't even waste my energy on it. What I would be looking for would be signs of a well-rounded life being shown right through the photos. So someone who is maybe talking about their family, their work, their interests, their hobbies, their pet, you know, they're showing pictures with friends or family. I think, you know, someone who will show a picture with their sister or their nephew or something or their mom um, really shows that they are putting forward their family values in the hopes of attracting someone who values the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so there's a much better chance that this is going to be a person who, if they're not demisexual themselves, who is at least functional enough in relationships to have the patience and wait for your feelings to develop and for that sexual bond to develop over time, not to be the first thing that happens. Um, so looking for clues in their photos, um, and in their words on a lot of apps, people aren't really typing a lot out, but sometimes you can see that they're, they're selecting a lot of different types of photos. So that's a mm -hmm. good sign. I love and that. then when you're advice. in conversation, um, with someone, right, that you, or having an actual two-way conversation that feels normal and like they're asking questions about you, they're making an effort to get to know you. I think another great thing, which sometimes I hear women put off by this, but I actually don't think this would be a red flag, but as if someone asks you on a date very quickly, um, I think that that you know, oftentimes just shows someone who is trying to secure a, a match, right? They don't want to lose you to someone else. They're trying to get in and get that date really quick. So I think uh, someone who's willing to ask you on a date and actually go, and go meet on a date, up in right. person and go on a date, I think that's great. Some people are put off and think they want to do a lot weeks of talking before a date, but I wouldn't I wouldn't view that as a deal breaker personally. I actually admire, I expect to be asked on a date very quickly. I have no interest in chit-chatting endlessly through an app. Um, when you, you do meet someone and you're interested and you're attracted and you see like, yes, there's some potential there, I do think that your end of the conversation should be geared towards expressing your standards and your needs. People are always like, what should I talk about? You know, the new person. And people are talking about the most superficial things like the right. TV shows they watch and stuff. And I, I do think that we should be careful to overshare too much of our past or our emotional inner world with someone before you've really developed a bond with them. But I think some of the most perfect conversation topics are your actual standards. Letting someone know um, that you that you aren't looking to hook up right away. You know that that your expectation in going out is to meet someone that you can develop an emotional connection with before you take it to the physical level, and straight up ask them, "Is that something that you can accommodate?" Mm. 
right? Can you see yourself waiting a month or two or three before having sex? Because if not, you know, if they can't envision that, then why even waste your why, time? Exactly. Right? Yes. And wow. to really maintain your your energy, right? Protect your energy while you're making yourself available to call in what you want. See, one of the biggest mistakes that people make in dating is that they don't stay on the market consistently enough or long enough to actually meet the right person. Something bad happens or they have a negative experience and they delete the app. Right. And then three <laughs> weeks later, they're back on a different app and they're hopping on and off the apps. But here's the thing, you're an amazing person might only be on an app for a day or two, right? Yeah. You could have had a chance to meet them, but you were busy, you know, grieving what other shenanigans already happened. <laughs> so I think to be able to stay consistently available, making yourself available to the thing that you want, while not being so emotionally attached to the outcome will help you sort of stay in that flow to be available to what you're you're calling in. Yes, I love that because I, I know I hear so many of my friends who will say like, they'll be like, girl, I downloaded the app again. And then like two days later, it'll be gone. And then like a mm -hmm. month later, they're like, I'm back on it. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, but I think you're absolutely right. If we're going in with intention and going in with uh, an idea of what we're wanting out of it, instead of, again, just taking whatever uh, comes your mm -hmm. way, mm -hmm. then we can be much more strategic and not waste our time with people and feel burnout and exhausted on the app because mm -hmm. we're just talking to everybody. I love oh, that yeah. point. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we <laughs> also have a question from Leslie. Leslie says, how can I deepen the connection with my man? They have been together for years. They have children. And it sounds like they're just needing to find a way to freshen their, their mm -hmm. bond, their intimacy, and their connection. I love that. And I actually have an online course that addresses that very thing that is designed to deepen your communication with your partner. And oh, one cool. of the things, and I'll just... To tell you guys um, the activity, one of the activities in that, um, along with all the coaching videos and the journal questions and the conversations to have with your partner, which a lot of it does focus on creating a unified vision for the purpose of your partnership. Awesome. Why are we together? We're not just here to cook dinner and clean up after our kids, right? There's got to be a bigger purpose. What is that? And you do want to check in with your partner and make sure that you are sharing not only your individual visions for your life trajectory, because you don't necessarily always have the same individual goals, but under the umbrella of your partnership, what is that bigger vision for your relationship? And one of the activities that I like for couples to do is a date night activity where you select different activities that you would potentially like to do. And you rip them out, you know, rip up a piece of paper and write one on each piece of paper and put that into a cup. And then you write down a list of ways that you like to feel with your partner, right? 
relaxed, silly, party time, you know, whatever those things may be, maybe luxurious or rich or whatever, like you want to feel. And you write down all those feeling words and rip those papers apart and put that in a cup. Then you draw an activity and a feeling. And then your job as a couple is to create that feeling doing that activity. I love and that. what this does is helps you remember that you have this power to create a vibe in your relationship every day, right? When life is feeling stressful and you're really, I think when you've been with someone for a long time, you're just getting lost in the like monotony of daily right. life, which is just so much of like work and paying bills and taking the dog to the vet and my car broke yeah. down. Not glamorous my mom and I got in an argument and just the same like, you know, day-to-day activities. So by doing that type of activity and really seeing that you can consciously shift the energy between you two, you can start to do that in daily life too. So if you're, if you both determine that you create, maybe when you were younger, you were really creative and, you know, you did a lot of uh, fun outings with really cool people and it made you feel really vibrant, but now you're older and you're at home with kids all the time and you don't feel that at all. Looking for ways to manufacture that into your relationship, I think really creates a deeper connection and seeing that we're on the same page. We're going to the same thing. We can work together. We can shift the dynamics. And then you can sort of stretch that out into just the overall feeling in your life or maybe creating some bigger goals um, and seeing that you can work together that way. Oh, that's beautiful. I feel like we seriously, if you're in a relationship, we like you need that. I will definitely be looking into that myself. Um, so what was the name of that course again? Tell us one more time. Let me think for a second. <laughs> sure. No, you're totally fine. I get it. I well, have so many things out. Like I know I, I was watching Melanie and Lair the other day live. And I mean, she's an absolute goddess and she sat in front of the camera for like three minutes silently trying to remember the name of whatever. <laughs> no, I do it, it all the time. it made me feel so much better. Um, oh my gosh, let me think. It is, we can definitely link it if the name doesn't uh, pop up. We'll do that. We'll Commun- do that. I think it might be called Communicate to Create. Um, because that is the concept is that it's, it's heightened communication skills to create the outcome and the vibe and the unified vision, um, for your relationship. Okay. So we will, we will link that down below because I feel like that is just such important knowledge that we need. Um, and to breathe some life into our relationships, you know, I think that's the other thing is that we get, Uh, Maybe we don't really like how the relationship is going or we feel bored, right? Some of it Mm -hmm. may just be boredom. Um, Mm -hmm. And so being able to actually have that excitement again and, and breathe that life into the relationship, I think will make us much happier. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay. So we have another question. This question is from Lauren. Lauren says, I need to know anything about intimacy and sex and how to open up to love again after mass heartbreak. 
Mm-hmm. How can we get intimate again after that? I think the first step there would be getting intimate with yourself, right? Treating yourself very sensually, feeling secure in yourself. And, you know, whether that be through self-touch, self-massage, masturbation, Mm -hmm. um, adorning yourself with beautiful things, doing a photo shoot, you know, putting on some lingerie, setting up a nice setting in your bedroom. And even if you don't like know how to take great photos, it's literally prop your camera up on the selfie camera on your nightstand. So it's, you know, facing your recording and then taking screenshots, you know, from the video. Um, So doing the things kind of feeding into yourself and your own sensuality that way. And then before, you know, bringing someone else into that part of your world is, I would say, I have an exercise I like to do with clients called the standards hierarchy. And it basically is a stair-step framework that tells you at each phase of allowing someone into your life, further and further into your life, what standards do you have that need to be met before you feel safe and secure, allowing them to cross that threshold? So this is, you know, starting with the most basic, if I'm going to give my number to someone what do I need to see have happen? For me personally, like on a dating app, I'm not giving my number out until someone has mentioned a date, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's my standard um, for making that next step. I would not, then you go further, what's it going to take for me to go on the date? Well, to get me on a date, you have to plan a date. You have to ask me on a date. Uh, You have to be a consistent presence in my life for the time leading up to that. You know, if you messaged me on the app and then I didn't hear from you for three days or four days, I would have lost interest already, right? You wouldn't have met my standards for getting anywhere further with me because consistency is a non-negotiable standard that I have. So then you just keep going to where before I'm going to be physically intimate with someone, what are the standards that need to be met for me to feel safe and comfortable there? For this person who's maybe already been through something really emotional, maybe they need a certain amount of time right? For just the consistency to be exhibited. Maybe they need to have some conversations about what someone wants out of the relationship. They want to make sure that they're not just being used for sex, obviously. So there's a conversation that needs to be had. I would personally, in this day and age, never even go into a situation where I was alone with someone or where, you know, sex was going to be a topic or a potential without having a conversation about consent. Mm -hmm. If someone can't have a conversation about consent, if they don't understand what consent is, if they say some weird, stupid joke, like rapey thing, Mm -hmm. you have not met the standard, right? So I think having things like that actually mapped out on paper helps you keep your head on straight and gives you 
a pathway forward because another thing that happens is, especially when you have something painful and something that's maybe fresh, right? It's pretty new and you're trying to move forward and you're feeling scared, you're getting triggered and you're thinking, is this my intuition trying to protect me or am I just backing down out of fear of getting hurt again? That's a really you right, know, major yeah. question that people will have to grapple with. So I think when you have something like the standards hierarchy to show you, well, this person is has met all of these standards, maybe you're just feeling a little fearful. What else needs to happen for you to feel safe? right? And just taking it step by step and not getting so emotionally invested in someone so early that you feel like you don't have a way out of it, right? Because you're in control. Every milestone, every day forward, you know, every, every moment you choose to spend in an energetic exchange with someone, you're consciously choosing to be there. And so telling yourself that it is safe to proceed, knowing that you can pull the plug at any time. Even I tell people this sometimes too, especially people who tend to be non-confrontational or they, they feel like they just go along with the flow and they get sucked into other people's desires and they're not speaking up for themselves. I will have them actually in their notes of their phone, write out some text messages that are already like a breakup message or like you're crossing my boundaries type of message, or this isn't going to work for me, or I don't want to be treated this way. Have those messages already filled out so that you know you have an exit plan and that you don't have to fear just getting swept away because it really could only take you copying and pasting your pre-formulated breakup message to end something that you see going down a path that you don't want to go. And if you have that established ahead of time, sort of anticipating your fragile emotional state that you may be in, or how you may lose control in a weak moment, then I think it does start feeling a little bit safer to proceed. Right. If you know that you're going to have a way out, um, I, you know, I, I feel like, I feel like you're speaking to my past self right now. Like I so <laughs> needed that, you know, maybe, you know, close to eight years ago or so, um, because I, I would, I mean, I made, I made all the mistakes. I would jump into a relationship. I would become very vulnerable um, very quickly and just find myself in this place where I thought I was in love with someone. But then as I really discovered and learned who they were, I started feeling like I'm too far in now. Like I can't back mm-hmm. out now. Now I've made all these promises and commitments mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. Uh, all of this. Uh, and also I, I had um, my throat chakra was very closed up. i found it very foreign to be able to set boundaries and find those words. So I Mm -hmm. love that idea of already having the messages there. Then Mm -hmm. if you're in that situation, you already know what you're going to do. And I, I think by writing down your standards, like you said, it gives us permission before we even get into a relationship to uphold those standards because you already Mm -hmm. know what they are going in. I love Mm -hmm. that. That is just the coolest. 
Um, okay, so we have got one more question. Um, so this question is a little bit different. It's it's asking, this is from Sarah, and she says, what is the best way to approach a woman that is in a violent relationship that isn't ready to leave yet? So I know that this Ooh, is a little bit mm-hmm. a little bit different, but um, how can we help our sisters? Can we, um, mm-hmm. you know, support them in what's going on for them emotionally, and also, you know, support them in being safe? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I I found myself in an abusive situation only one time in my life. It was nothing that I ever wanted to repeat. I felt no need to repeat it. But while it was happening, I was so blinded by love, um, by the bond that I shared with this person, by also feeling like I was his savior, right? That without me, he would probably have killed himself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt all this responsibility for caretaking him. And while he wasn't physically abusive to me, it was a more emotional and psychological abuse that turned into physical abuse against our child later after the fact. And I was not even around to protect him. And so it was just a tragic situation. And this man is in prison uh, to this day. And that happened many, many years ago. Once I really woke up to what was going on, right, and could see it, I just, I immediately extricated ourselves from the situation. But I I realized what a cloud I had been in. I just could not see things clearly. And to this day, when I think back of who who I was at that time to allow all this stuff to go on, I still can't even pinpoint it. It was like I was just living in this veil. And so I think when people are in abusive situations, they aren't thinking like, you and I are thinking. They cannot see the situation from the outside. And there is something that they need from this situation. As sad as that sounds, right? If they're not wanting to leave and they're, they're refusing help and they're really stuck in this, there's still something that they are needing, whether it's healthy or not. Obviously, it's not healthy, but their psyche is needing something from this situation. So I think to, first of all, be a steady presence to your friend, to let someone know you're there for them, that resources exist for them. I love you. Hey, I'm thinking about you today. Do you need anything? But for you personally to detach from the outcome, right? Because these other people are living out their own you know, growth patterns and stories that you can't rescue people from. If, If you're making yourself available to that and someone's not taking you up on it, you really have to absolve yourself of the guilt. Um, and responsibility. And I think if you're feeling responsible for someone else, then you have to check your own codependency, right? right? right. You, you've got to create 
a boundary for yourself where you know that you're doing the right thing, you're being available, you're offering support, but you can't control what someone else chooses to do with that. And so letting go of that need to be the savior in the situation so that you can protect your own energy and your own emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, Because unfortunately, you just can't make someone see what they can't see. I think being available to them when hopefully the day comes that they do wake up and see it before, you know, hopefully that's not when they're hospitalized or something really tragic happens. Um, But sometimes that is what it takes is hitting some type of rock bottom that will snap them into reality. And I think then if you are there and you are present, right, you will have done your very best without dragging yourself down emotionally by feeling powerless in the situation. I, you know, so that, that question is actually somewhat, um, you know, a little bit personal for me as well. I had been in a, uh, domestic violence situation and, you know, even though at the time, like I knew, I knew it wasn't okay. But there was some side of me, right? Because I say all the time that even even if something is considered, quote, uh, like a negative behavior, we, we're still getting a benefit from it somehow, mm-hmm. right? We're mm-hmm. getting some kind of benefit from it. Um, at that time in my life, I think a lot of it was avoidance uh, for myself. The There was so much chaos and drama in the relationship. It really... Uh, it, it allowed me to avoid other parts of my life. Uh, <clears throat> but I also think that, you know, I wanted to try again, right? Let's try the relationship again. Let's see. Um, let me do something different this time. Uh, we just didn't mm-hmm. try it this other way, right? Like mm-hmm. we were, we made all mm-hmm. these different rules like, well, we just won't drink. That's what it yeah. was, is it was the mm-hmm. drinking. So then we try again with no drinking. And then we try again with like, and, and eventually, you know, obviously we separated and I, I was able to get out of that situation. But there was a lot of breaking up, going back, breaking up, going back. Mm -hmm. And that was part of the cycle that we had created and almost what was so um, addicting about it because there was this chaos, this pain, right? Like you mentioned in the Mm -hmm. very beginning, trauma bonding. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we went through this cycle of trauma um, and then then getting back together and making up in the honeymoon phase, right? Mm -hmm. And And that high, that's such a high when you're there. Oh yeah, the adrenaline, the, you know, all of it. And, um, you know, but also what I realized is that I didn't really have anything else exciting going on in my life. So mm. if, if it's just for the pure fact of entertainment or excitement or adrenaline or feeling engaged in something, even if it's mm-hmm. not healthy, um, you know, I, I very much believe that that was alive in me. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing that mm-hmm. with us. And you have been I know so many people are going to hear this episode and just be like, holy shit, that is what I needed to hear. (laughs) So just an absolute, uh, just amazing person to have on. Thank you. So where, where can we find you? Where can we connect with you? Where can we buy your courses? We want to know. 
Yeah. So the place where I am mostly hanging out online is on Instagram at michelle.emerald. That's Michelle with one L period and emerald like the jewel. I have a link there in my bio for the Trigger Tamer course, which is currently free. And that's on the same online learning platform where my other courses are available as well. And then I have links to all of that at michelleemerald.com. Wonderful. Okay. So we are going to link all of that below. You guys, you can look below in the show description. Um, It's going to have all of the links of how you can find and connect with Michelle. She is obviously a woman on fire uh, who is just changing how we see relationships. And uh, in my opinion, I believe once we can heal ourselves, heal the relationships, we will heal the family unit and we will heal the world. So thank you so much, Michelle, for being here. And we will, um, we will come find you on social media for sure. Thank you, Caroline. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into Divine Reclamation, the podcast. Your listenership is so valued and appreciated. Take just a moment of your time to leave me a review on iTunes, preferably a gleaming five-star rating. (laughs) Share it with your friends, post it to your social media. Every effort helps me continue sharing information, love, and support to women out there who need it. It takes just a moment of your time, but it helps me tremendously. Thank you again and see you next week.